We are back with another Premier League review show. Coming off of an international break with roughly just eight matches left in the season, we had some big-time results that changed the landscape of the top four race as well as the relegation battle. We're talking Chelsea, City, Leicester, Arsenal, Liverpool, and West Brom. We're in the home stretch of the Premier League season, and anything can happen. This is the Two Touch Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Dalglish, and as always, I'm joined by Tim Bones Bouts. Welcome to episode 38. Let's get started. Welcome back to another review show, Premier League review show. We're coming off of a international break, and we're really getting down to the home stretch of the season. So this weekend's matchups had a lot of implications, and a lot of these results have changed sort of the, uh, I guess, the outlook of the season. It's it's pretty interesting. At least I think so. so. Bones, I mean, do you think it's interesting? Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you on that. And we'll start off easy with at least one agreement per episode. Yes, low-hanging fruit. I love it. Okay, so without further ado then, let's just jump into it. We're going to highlight a few matches as we always do. Make sure that you guys are aware of what, what you need to know. Going into really, I mean, actually, I don't know what match week it was, but I think there's only like nine or eight matches left. Eight. Eight yeah, matches eight. left. Wild. Okay, so let's start it off with the the first match of the weekend and probably the biggest result of the weekend, Chelsea versus West Brom. Chelsea is fighting for a top four finish. finish. West Brom is most likely relegated. I mean, it would be a minor miracle for them to get out of relegation. So that's, that's painting the picture of this matchup. What was the final score of this match? It was 5-2. to two. West Brom. There's too many goals to go through, but there were some absolute bangers and definitely worth watching the highlights of this match. Honestly, like, I mean, anytime you see a match that has seven goals, it's worth just going through the highlights. But, I mean, there were some beautiful goals. I'm not going to list them all off like sometimes I do. Uh, I'm just going to jump into my main takeaways from this. So there's some good news, bad news for us U.S. men's national team fans. Polisic got the rare start under Tuchel. And he carried over his good momentum from the international break friendlies. Actually opened up the scoring for him. It was a Marcus Alonso free kick. I can't remember if it was a post or a diving save, whatever. There was a rebound. And Pulisic was on top of it, buried it, put Chelsea up 1-0. And at that point, Chelsea had been dominating. You kind of just thought that, you know, Chelsea's going to cruise to a another W, especially considering their defense has been absolutely lights out. Bad news for Pulisic, at least. Uh, he got subbed off at halftime at first. It was kind of like a criticism, like, what is Tuchel doing? Turns out he might have had a little bit of a twinge in the warm-up starting the second half in his hammy. So preventive, 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 precautionary, preventative, precautionary Yikes. reasons. Yeah, sorry, I've been drinking a little bit today. It's Easter <laughs> after all, right? True. So they took him off at halftime. Hopefully it's nothing serious. We can get into that later. But anyways, Pulisic's day got kind of short. Before that even happened, though, 
big storyline, pretty much the momentum shifter of this match was Tiago Silva, their, uh, their star defender, old man. He got sent off in the 29th minute, and it wasn't even a straight red. It was two yellow cards in 20, 29 minutes. Both were fouls just outside the box. The first one was pretty much to stop a clear goal-scoring threat, which, you know, in the end, they didn't score from that free kick, so it's probably a good move. But then his second foul just outside the box was just stupid, I guess. There's no better word to put it. Um, so he gets sent off in the 29th, and after that point, it was actually probably a relatively even match, but West Brom just were scoring bangers left and right. They scored five goals in the end on 1.38 expected goals, which basically means they extremely exceeded their expectations. Pretty awesome. And what this means, well, for me, it I don't know if this is actually a good example of it, but I've been kind of skeptical of Chelsea this whole time. I've been bordering getting into the hater realm of it because I just couldn't accept all their results and they've been fantastic since Tuchel took over but they just weren't scoring a lot of goals their defense was lights out but I thought something had to give either their offense had to start clicking and then they would be a real powerhouse or that this defense was like eh and their offense wasn't going to be able to make up for it and this might be a good example of that so that's kind of my thoughts of it I'll, I'll as a United fan, I'd like to dig into them, but I'm trying to stay objective. So you know what? At this point, I'd like to give it over to Bones. Bones, you're an apparent Chelsea fan. <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts on Chelsea's performance? I, you know, I, I think it, it's just an indication that their defense, even under Tuchel, has flaws. I think this is Thiago Silva's first game back after a, a relatively long time on the sideline. Yep, that's true. He looked super rusty. Um, he as you said the first the first penalty or the first, his first yellow card definite penalty probably a goal scoring penalty um but the it was second outside one the box, was though. was that it was outside the box though right 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 but you know i, I guess yeah you get what i mean it was Maybe. a bad challenge yes it was a bad challenge the second one it's interesting with a, a guy that's so experienced he's just running out without any control over his body and then essentially scissor kicked whoever it was, it, it was just ridiculous and something that you wouldn't expect Thiago Silva to do. So right, right. that wasn't great, but also Jorginho was making some really interesting and I guess uncharacteristic errors, but it also shows how when N'Golo Conte is on the field, Chelsea, I think is a, a different team. And I think he just offers a lot more than a dual, a dual pairing of Kovacic and Jorginho do. What that means going forward, I don't really know, but they just didn't look bad. They they didn't look good. Um, and to that I, point, to that point, Conte, I think it's pretty safe to say now Conte has been very under the radar, but their best player this season. Like he just means so because of his role in the side, but also he's just been fantastic for the better part of the whole season. Whereas a lot of people have had their moments, but not like consistently. Maybe Mason Mount actually, but um, yeah, Conte's up there. And then I'd also call into question once again Hakeem Zayek. He looked pretty terrible. <laughs> he was so bad. <laughs> it's I, I don't understand how this is happening. And understandably, you move to a, a new club, new country, bigger club, and you struggle a little bit, but not this much. Jesus. Yeah, some of his passes were just so ridiculous, like so 
off target that I could have sworn it was Fred playing for Chelsea. Yeah. Well, the one that really stands out in my mind, it's early on in the match, and he's leading a full-on counterattack, three-on-two, and he, from essentially half-field, rather than you know pu- uh, putting a through ball to, I think it was Pulisic or to Timo Werner, he literally just decides to boot this ball 50% of the way down the field directly at Sam Johnstone. It's just like, what, what the hell was that? But, you know, obviously we've talked about how Chelsea's offense is all out of sorts. So, I, I mean, this was just another another example of that. I don't know that they can really read into this too much. I think they, they just need to kind of lift their wounds and move on. It's pretty funny. It's something I've noticed with Chelsea fans. Not you, but, you know, <laughs> the ones I see on Twitter and I observe. I, I, I follow quite a bit of Chelsea fans, and it's almost like this circle. Basically – Every week they try to blame someone else on the attack for, or sorry, they try to say the solution to their struggling attack is they don't play this person. And it just goes through a rotation because that person eventually gets to play and they don't do anything either. So then they say, oh, well, you know, if Tammy Abraham was playing, he would score. Oh, and then he doesn't score. And then it's like, well, if Giroud was playing, then he would score. And then it just, it's a nice circle all the way around. They just have so many options and no one's clicking. Yeah. I mean, you never know what you're going to get. That's for sure. Okay. I got, I got another question for you. So of these three losses on this Premier League season, rank the worst to least worst. Liverpool's loss 7-2 to Villa. The 10-men Manchester United 6-1 loss to Tottenham. Or the 10-men Chelsea 5-2 loss to West Brom. West Brom. I'd say Liverpool's loss is probably the worst. Yep. This is not even like it's so obvious. You can't you can't really debate that. I would think picking the number one would be kind of tough, but between these two, this shouldn't be that hard. Well. Yeah. What was the third? United's loss to Sheffield? No, no, no. United lost 6-1 to Tottenham. I guess you could throw oh. Sheffield loss in there too. But what was I, I mean, that's Hill? bad, but losing 5-2 to West Brom is miserable. So that's got to be number two. Yeah. Three, the United loss. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a... you can't you, – I mean, for Liverpool, they can't be losing by that margin. Uh, that's just inexcusable, regardless of how good Villa is or not. But losing five to West Brom, a West Brom team that I don't know what the, how many goals they they have scored up to this point in the year, but they I think single handedly I saw a stat it was like scored thirty two percent of the goals scored against a Tuchel Chelsea so yeah. far. Yeah, they scored like I don't know I'm guessing probably like fifteen to twenty percent of their total seasons goals against Chelsea. It's <laughs> that's, crazy. That's ridiculous. And it's interesting because none of those those goals Mendy was at fault for, at least in my mind. He made a couple of good saves as well. They they could have won by a, a bigger margin, for sure. Yeah, that's 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 probably fair. Cause some of these goals were bangers. Yeah, they were. Like like there's nothing you can do about it. Like laser beams to the back of the net. 
Um, laser laser beams. Okay, so one other point I want to make up or I want to bring up about this is I don't want to assume the worst, but a hamstring injury is no joke, and I wouldn't be shocked if Polisic misses the next match, even if this is preventative or whatever that word is. It's horrible timing since he's been battling to get into the first team, the starting lineup, you know, pretty much since Tugel took over and he finally got a shot and he was playing very well in the first 45 minutes. I mean, he took over, like I said, he carried the momentum over. He was fantastic in the friendlies in this international break. So it just felt like, okay, finally he's here. He's establishing that he is better than he is better than Werner and he's better than definitely than Ziek. And he deserves a spot in the starting lineup every single week. But then the thing with Polisic is the injuries. And, you know, this doesn't seem very serious. I, I wouldn't be shocked, though, if he does miss, mix, miss the next match because it is a hamstring and those things can get bad quickly. Yeah. But, like, it's been kind of a storyline for a couple of weeks now. And I think I, I feel like it's been a little bit over over dramatic, but I don't know. I can't help but think, like, is this – should we be concerned about his future – with Chelsea at this club because I, like injuries have definitely been a problem. And if you can't be available, then, you know, you're not serving a purpose, I guess, as harsh as that is. Yeah, it's tough. I I, I mean, given his, the style, his style of play and his stature, you've got to assume that he's going to get injured um, probably more often than, than many players. I think he's getting injured at an alarming rate and particularly injuries that with tricky, tricky ligaments or muscles. Yeah. That, a, lot of, a lot of this stuff seems like a, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but like soft tissue, non-contact type of stuff. That's not yeah. even about him getting crushed by a, an ogre of a center back. It's more of like he, he got hurt in warm up. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I don't know necessarily know what the solution is. Does he go, you know, it, because you consider it a farmer's league, does he go back to the Bundesliga? Does he go to a less demanding league and hope that that helps? I, I don't necessarily know that that – will that really make that much of a difference? I don't no. know. Well, I'm thinking more from the perspective of Chelsea. What, is, what do you think – like, I believe in Pulisic. I'm also biased because, you know, U.S. men's national team. But we, we've seen his – like, when he's healthy, he is probably their best attacking player. And that's crazy because – like Chelsea is one of the best Premier League teams. So it says a lot about his talent. But Chelsea happens to have a ton of people in the attacking positions because they spent, you know, 150 million on attacking players alone last year. Do you think that there's a chance that you what do you think the likelihood is that they say, okay, we're gonna cut ties with them. Maybe we can get a decent decent transfer fee for it. And maybe Chelsea's actually smart and they put that towards a defense or maybe I think I think it might I think it's more likely that they cut ties with other players that they spent heavily on, whether it's maybe cutting ties with Timo Werner and just going no, back and sticking with Tammy. Really? Abraham. Really? I, I, I mean, he is so... He got an assist. He did. Werner. But, Werner but that assist. was also because he was too scared to shoot. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's awesome. <laughs> but you... You look at – I think Hakeem Zayek is done after this year. I, I just don't think he's adapted well yeah. enough. And I, he, he hasn't even shown glimpses of what he was with Ajax. I think he needs to kind of recalibrate and maybe move to, 
I don't think he's going to go back to Ajax, but maybe move to Serie A or Liga. I, I don't think playing for Chelsea is 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 good for him. Yeah, it's I think jump. That, it's a big jump going from Ajax to Chelsea. Yeah, and and it's undeniable how that he is incredibly talented, but the talents that he was meant to bring to Chelsea, he hasn't showed any of it. Yeah. He, I mean, his distribution has been horrific. Right. So, I think he needs to move on. It's possible that Hi- Habits just says, fuck it, I don't want to be here anymore. He hasn't gotten any time. So I think Timo is, is so, uh, so in, his, in his own head that he might need a fresh start. No, and then, no. I, I, as much as I like to make fun of Timo, it's, it's just so much fun. But I, I, you, he just needs like one little switch in his brain, and he could be one of the most productive players in the premier league like he's always in the right position he just has the most comical errors when it comes to converting but at the same time he still has like a pretty decent goal record this year and assist record considering how how bad he's been yeah that's true i i just i don't know i think that there will be a lot of action this summer i think as we were talking about there they have to comply with the new fifa rule that they can't be sending all these players off on loan, so they're going to have to start selling a ton of players. Yeah, and I, I think that Tuchel will want to bring in at least a couple of his guys for his vision because he's he's kind of just mix, mixing and matching yeah. players that have been brought in by four different managers. Yeah, and so I, I don't think that they necessarily fit his vision for yeah. what he wants the next year and a half. It's a good point. So, so I think that there will be more transfer uh, transfer activity this summer. I don't think that Pulisic is on the move, but I do think that there will be players that were recently acquired that will be on the move. Okay. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Is there anything else from this match that you would like to comment on? No, I, I mean, it was pretty disgusting. Yeah. Uh, I, no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Okay, okay. So before we move on to the rest of the matches, if you have liked what you've heard so far, why don't you go ahead and give us a rating, a review, and maybe even subscribe. We have two episodes a week, normally a Premier League review show, like what you're listening to now, and then a more general episode that's just, you know, a balance between current events, um, just funny topics that are going on, kind of just shoot the shit and have a more like a barroom conversation about the sport that we love. It goes a long way to helping us out and if you really want to feel extra generous why don't you go ahead and share this podcast with a friend because we want to get this to more ears as much as possible so that would be a huge help all right moving on i never know how to wrap that up but i'll get more comfortable you did well thanks thanks um, i feel like a moocher when i'm going through that whole thing you know <laughs> at least of, you're, you're not at least you're not staring at the listeners face to face you know whereas <laughs> in a bar you'd be like oh you really need to uh subscribe listen and then you've got to read their body language and be like oh okay like i, I yeah when we get a, myself thank you when we eventually get a the video podcast going i will make sure yeah. to stare into the camera and not blink the entire time <laughs> that i'm pitching that so yeah because that that'll help us get people to listen to our <laughs> podcast <laughs> okay let's move on uh, another big result from the weekend, Manchester City versus Leicester City. So we have the clear-cut favorite to win the league by a long shot, Manchester City versus Leicester City, number three, 
or third in the table at this point. Not guaranteed a top four spot, so very important that they perform well. Final score of this match was 2-0 to Manchester City. Goals came from Benjamin Mendy. Yes, Benjamin Mendy. I forgot that he existed. He got started uh, in the 58th minute, and then the match was pretty much capped off with a Gabriel Jesus goal in the 74th minute. Notes for me from this match were, I honestly, it was not the most entertaining to watch. It was super defensive for the most part. I don't know. I think, I think combined going to halftime, there's only one or two shots on goal in the entire first half. So that kind of paints the picture of what kind of match this was. But also, at the same time, City were totally in control from start to finish. And I think what's crazy about this, so the the result is not significant for Manchester City because they have a buffer. They can keep rolling. They're, you know, they're they're going to win the league. Leicester City, on the other hand, very significant. They got a little bit of a break because Chelsea also lost this this weekend, but you know, they could have created some separation between them and third and the fourth place spot, failed to do so. Tall it's it's hard to it's hard to expect that when you're going up against Manchester City. What's crazy to me is that although Leicester has their injuries, they put out a relatively strong team, and Manchester City, in a lot of ways, obviously outside of a couple players, put up put put out their backup team to play against Leicester. So obviously Kevin De Bruyne started, quite a few other players uh, that are staples, Ruben Diaz started, but Kyle Walker started instead of Cancelo on the right back. So. Kyle Walker hasn't been starting that much. As I mentioned earlier, Mendy with the goal, he hasn't been starting. Zinchenko has been starting at the left-back position. Gabriel Jesus, he's probably started 50%, maybe a little bit more of the matches, but he's starting on the left not as the striker up top. So he's out of position. And normally Raheem Sterling or Phil Foden play there. Sergio Aguero started, which obviously legend. Legend also, side note, reported that Manchester City will not be extending any contract to him. So sort of a, a legend is about to leave the club. But anyways, he got the start, which he hasn't been all season. And then Fernandinho started instead of Gundogan. And Laporte started instead of Johnstone. So they had their backup squad come in, play, and beat the third best team in the league with pre- like with ease. I mean, they control this entire match. It's just – it's ridiculous. So – I guess before I pose this question, Bones, what was your thought on this match in general? I mean, nothing different than what you just said. It's just incredible that they have the versatility, and this is City, of course, have the versatility and the depth to be able to roll out a team like that against the third-best team or, you know, at least in the standings, the third-best team in the Premier League and still look completely dominant. And I think... First of all, there was a goal that was ruled out. Fernandinho had an absolute banger from outside the box. Uh, it was a ball that was attempted to be cleared by Lester, and he just absolutely destroyed it. And it was ruled off because Aguero hopped over the ball. He was in an offside position. But, yeah, Fernandinho is always – he's like Matic. He's always good for at least one of those a season, and it was it was pretty – 
with that said, I, I think that a lot of, a lot of the kudos goes to Kevin De Bruyne. I think that he had an incredible game and I think he is starting to get back to his, his true form. He's had a, a tough year with injuries and COVID. And I think that he's now finally back to a place where he looks definitively the best, best player in the league. Ooh. Okay. Hard to hard to argue it. I mean, you could if you wanted to, but I, I hear you. Yeah, the the point on Fernandinho is interesting. So, I mean, he gets used sparingly at this point. He's he's up there in age, and when I watch him, I hate him, but I kind of love him too because he he kind of resembles an old school central midfielder. Not to the extreme, but he's got elements of it. Meaning, he's kind of a a tough son of a gun. Like, he's not someone you want to fuck with. He makes his presence known. He's got hard tackles. He doesn't back down from any shit talking. And he, in fact, had one against Harvey Barnes. Exactly. Harvey Barnes. Yeah. In this match? Or no? Excuse me, James Madison. Oh, okay. They all look the same. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? Hard to argue that too, but you don't see. I, I feel like the game. Obviously, it's an, it's a fun narrative, but like the game's soft now. I mean, you hear it in other sports too. There's a lot of rules that got put in place because you know to protect players, but also the the whole diving pandemic. I would say in in <laughs> uh, in the sport, but this guy is hard nose. Goes in like he 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 basically makes his presence known, so you don't feel comfortable going through the midfield knowing that he's there. It's kind of Roy Keane, Patrick Vieira esque, not to the extreme of them because they would actually murder you. Fernandinho won't go that far, but um, yeah. So it's it's fun sometimes to watch him play just because you don't see that very often anymore. Like I'm a Manchester United fan, I would love to have like a defensive midfielder that would just punish people that came through. Instead, we got Fred, who's like five foot five and can't like complete a pass five feet away. So you know. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> a gentleman and a scholar. Yeah. So what's also interesting about this, I mentioned it, I kind of harped on it, but they, they rolled out a relatively backup unit. And I, I was just thinking to myself, like, this is such a luxury for them when it comes to the, the Champions League. So it's not everything. Like, there's still a lot of things that need to go your way in the Champions League. But this is definitely an advantage for them because they're still left in the Champions League. There's a bunch of big teams that are left, but we're just coming off international break where players played two to three matches each. That's mild mileage on the legs. It's already been mm-hmm. a pretty intense season, and they had the luxury of sitting a bunch of their starters. And on the flip side, if you looked at matches across other leagues, you have Bones here, well aware. Bayern had to play a very tough matchup against, you know, uh, league rivals RB Leipzig. You know, that's a very significant match for the title for the league. And then even PSG had to do the same exact thing with, uh, with Lille. And it's, you know, they, you, you, those two teams didn't have the luxury of not starting their starters. And, you know, yeah. they got their result. Well, actually, PSG didn't, but Bayern got their result. But still, they had to rely on their starters to play a full 90 for the most part. Whereas City is like, hey, listen, take the week off. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot, how Pep has notoriously underperformed, particularly at Bayern. And 
with City with that type of depth in the Champions League. Obviously, this is a, a different year where every league has a truncated schedule. And as you referenced Bayern, this is the first year that they've had as close of a of a title race as, as it has been. And it's been between them and Red Bull Leipzig. So this game had massive implications this, this past weekend. Problem being that, as you mentioned, a lot of people went on international duty. Robert Lewandowski got hurt during Poland's last match and will be out for four weeks. He's going to miss the PSG game or the first of the PSG games. And, you know, Chupo Moting did fine over the weekend, but he can't replace the best striker in the world or best goal scorer in the world currently. I, it, it, it creates a lot of strain on the, the rest of the field for Bayern because they, they now need to find goals elsewhere. And so you, you look at a city where they have just the embarrassment of riches on their bench. It's got to play a factor in them being able to progress through the tournament. But again, it hasn't in the past. And so will there continue to be that disconnect? We don't know yet. It mm-hmm. remains to be seen, as Trevor knows, I love to say. But <laughs> but it, it is... It is... One second. Uh, got it. It is compelling, for sure. <laughs> what was that break for? I was having a brain fart. <laughs> okay. I was like, I assumed Haley had walked in or something. <laughs> okay. I don't really have any other comments on this. I, I think it's huge. The loss for Leicester, I guess it's kind of expected, but what it means for the top four finish is significant, which I'm, I, you'll get into, I'm sure, on the, the table recap. So definitely definitely a big match. City's, City, as far as Premier League goes, is just Manchester City is just in cruise control. So you know, not much you can do. So let's move on to the next match. Arsenal versus Liverpool. Final score, 3-0 to Liverpool. Goals, we got two for Jota and one for Salah. Going to this match, I kind of, in my head, I could say pretty much anything could happen. Basically, if I was going to bet on this match, I probably wouldn't have. Like, if I looked at it, I'd just be like... Arsenal has kind of had their moments this year. Horrible start. Seem to kind of be figuring things out. Definitely have had good moments recently. Obviously beating Tottenham in the North London Derby. And there's a lot to be excited about, which is pretty surprising considering how bad of a start of the season they had. And then it's the flip side for Liverpool. You basically looked at their team and said, why are they doing as bad as they are? Like, obviously injuries are a storyline, but still, they shouldn't be this bad. Um and then kind of Liverpool just showed up and put Arsenal in their place. Like they dominated this match from start to finish possession wise shots wise. I think shots total were 16 to seven and then on target were uh, seven to two. So complete domination. And it's interesting. I don't, you know, I don't like the knee-jerk reaction. I also, as a United fan, I, I tried to shit on Liverpool. But I kind of, if this is the type of Liverpool team that's going to show up week in and week out from now on, which I think 
before the season started, this is what you'd expect, even with injuries. Like the the shit that went on in the early season and the mid, like up until this point, didn't make any sense. This performance against Arsenal made sense, given what we know of Liverpool in previous years. If they perform like this consistently from here on out, which is a big if, given what we've seen, they have a very good shot at finishing top four because if everyone else keeps stumbling. And then also, like you can't really rule them out of Champions League because they don't have the most difficult road to the final. And then when you get to the final, it's a single match. Anything can happen. So it's just, it's wild because at the end of the year, you could say Liverpool finishes fourth in the league and wins or gets to the final of the Champions League. And you're like, that's not the worst year. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know that there's a ton to talk about with this match. I, I Liverpool continues to be a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde team. Obviously, there are those injury concerns, particularly in the back, but they they either seem to figure it out or they really don't on a game to game basis. Yeah. But I think the biggest storyline of this of this match is Allison shaved a pretty dope <laughs> stash in his face. He's got a swagger back. Didn't yeah. make a mistake. Definitely correlated to the mustache. He's back to being an elite goalkeeper yeah. as long as he keeps that mustache. Exactly. I think there's actually a couple of things to pull from this, though. Um, one thing is Jota's performance. So he just started to get back into the Liverpool side from a, a, a long extended injury just before the international break. Basically just cameos coming in late in, in matches. During the international break for Portugal was, was, I think, objectively their best player. And that's in a side that has Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes, and Jota was the standout player. And then he doesn't start in this match, comes on, scores two goals. It's he, I don't know what to say. Like The guy is a baller. And it's crazy because I think this is the habit of every single transfer window now. Anytime there's a player that gets purchased, it's almost rare that you say, this is a good deal, or like there's a, a collective agreement that, hey, this is a good deal for this player. Pretty much everyone says, oh, that club played too, paid too much. That player is overrated. And that's exactly what happened with Jota because he was getting very little playing time with Wolves last year. Liverpool comes in, pays 40 mil for him. Everyone's like, what the hell are they doing? And then now it just looks like a bargain, even with the month plus that he had, he was out with an injury. It was like two months. And he looks like such a steal for 40 mil. Yeah, true. True. And I can't wait to see who that is this year. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good, good question. Another thing I'd like to make a point of is that I'm, this might be harsh on Klopp, but no one's, I feel like no one's harsh on Klopp. Everyone is like, he's the, he's the best manager in the game right now, blah, blah, blah. And he I deserves. I don't know. I think that, that there's okay. certainly people that are harsh on Klopp, particularly because he, he does like to make excuses. Yeah. So, that's a big part of it. I think the thing that's crazy to me is that he, well, not crazy, but I think he did a really bad job of managing this team this year because when the injuries hit, it seemed like he got a little too fancy with how he made, like everyone knows he, he, some of his best players got hurt this year and you can't take that away from him. It put him at a disadvantage versus last year. Right. Then the, the, the thing I'm criticizing him for is the decisions he made after that point, which was his knee jerk was to put midfielders, proven midfielders into the defense. And at the time it made a lot of sense because a big part of being a center back is just being 
very disciplined, reading the game, understanding it. So you got Fabinho and even Jordan Henderson that probably do that better than anyone else on Liverpool. The problem is with that, you hurt your midfield and your midfield for his system is just so important. So by maybe making up for the injuries in the, the defense, he probably hurt his midfield even more. And that's so much more important for a side that is like so much of his success comes from pressing and you need that midfield there to be supporting the forwards in a full on press. And this match is a perfect example of like, listen, keep your best midfielders in the midfield and you know what, whatever happens with the defense, you know, you'll have to live with it. So Kabach and uh, who was it? Phillips started in defense. Then Fabinho Milner Milner's like, obviously not a sexy pick, but he's a workhorse, which is what you need between like Milner Henderson. They're not like spectacular or anything, but they're very organized. They're leaders and they have crazy engines. And then you got someone as talented as Tiago also in the midfield to essentially link up from back to forward and just always be a threat. They, I, I think you don't need to worry about the defensive liability when you have such a strong midfield that like basically what I'm trying to say is Arsenal never had a chance to even test the back line because they had such a strong, like their forwards are so good at pressing and their midfield is so good at pressing that the ball almost never got past the midfield in the first place. Yeah. True. <laughs> All right. I guess that was a little bit of a rant. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, but see, I let you go on your rants. You like to cut me up. Well, your rants are about like Bayern Munich, which that's not the topic. <laughs> so so just before we we move on, I just like to to talk about or, or or remind me of one thing. What was the Guinness bet regarding Liverpool? Uh I have to Liverpool finishes fifth or better. I don't know how many Guinness it is, but you win. I have it. I have it written down somewhere. And then if they finish fifth or, or sixth or worse, then I win. We're coming down the wire here. I'm not worried. All right. Never was. I made the bet when they were in like fourth. So, you know. Anyways, yeah. Let's move on. Notable results. Let's just touch on the other ones. There's pretty much only two I want to cover. So, to start. Tottenham, Tottenham, Tottenham. At the start of this match against Newcastle, I tweeted out, Newcastle is fighting for relegation. Tottenham is in an opportunity to squeeze into the top four. This is the perfect match, the typical match where Tottenham drops points. And I want to bring it up because I make these calls all the time and I'm almost always wrong, but I was right this time. The result of the match, 2-2. Newcastle played phenomenally against them i i don't know i can't even imagine the frustration as of being a spurs fan because there's no excuse for losing this match and they did or they didn't lose they dropped points sorry it feels like a loss newcastle is probably gonna get relegated like there's a very good chance of it um i don't know bad, bad result bad result uh, there's not much else to say to it. It's significant for Tottenham. I mean, Tottenham. What it means for Tottenham is maybe their top four is grim. Maybe can still finish fifth though. Anything could happen. For Newcastle, um, it's a big point for them because it's basically between them and Fulham as far as relegation goes. So, big point for them. Next match: Manchester United versus Brighton. 
Manchester United come from behind to win 2-1. Super ugly match. I guess the only notable thing I can think of is that Dean Henderson again got the start over De Gea. And it kind of suggests that Dean Henderson, they're either giving him a, a run for the last eight matches to see what they got in him, or it's really the end of De Gea as being the number one at Manchester United. So pretty interesting. Uh, overall, pretty ugly match. I I don't know. Fred was horrific as usual. <laughs> Pogba, his he had a giveaway that led to their the Brighton goal. The defense was eh. Harry Maguire actually played well. Uh, there was a controversial point. I feel like this happens at once a month where there was a, a challenge from Maguire in the box on Danny Welbeck and people were calling for uh, a PK. <sighs> I've seen less get called for a PK. So, you know, I didn't think it was a PK, but in this year where no one knows what's going on, I definitely wouldn't have been shocked if they did call it a PK. So a little controversial, but you know, you get the three points and yeah, that's a huge three points considering that everyone else third and below that's challenging for the top four drop points this week so yeah those are the notable results again we're recording this on sunday there's two matches on monday so we won't be covering it in this episode now before we wrap it up let's move on to the table review where bones will take it away so city stay atop at 74 points united with their win stay in second at 60 points lester at 56 remain in third And now here's where things get interesting. Chelsea is currently sitting in fourth at 51 points. However, fifth, sixth, and seventh, that's Tottenham, Liverpool, and West Ham, all sit at 49 points. Now, Tottenham and Liverpool have one game in hand over City. Two through through six, that's United through Liverpool, have all played 30 matches. West Ham is sitting at 29, so they can potentially move into, at the very least, fourth after, what, Monday's match? Yes. So still a a massive logjam. And then what's very interesting is Everton has three games in hand and is sitting at 46 points. So there can still be a lot of movement in the coming weeks. It's going to be interesting. And at the bottom of the the table, as Trev alluded to, Newcastle – sitting in 17th, one place above the relegation zone at 29 points. And Fulham, despite dropping three points today to Aston Villa, are sitting at 26 points. So, again, we both think that Fulham's going to move out of relegation. We think that Newcastle's going to move down. It remains to be seen, as I love to say. But I honestly think that th- that that will be a very interesting storyline to continue to follow through the end of the season. Yeah. If Newcastle performs like they did today against Tottenham, they should feel pretty good about staying up. They look good. I think they their expected goals was like four or five. I think that says more oh. about Tottenham than actual. Did you just say they looked good? Joe Linton scored. Your boy. My boy. Yeah. Get out of here. You're the one that loves the shit on him. Uh, actually, we both I think do. that you're the one that came, that initially dubbed him as as King Grass Killer. Well, yeah. But, you know, it's I just spit facts, okay? Yeah, it's it's going to be the top 4 and relegation are just it at least I'm happy that there's going to be some drama with that. 
League winner out the door sucks. I still blame Everton for that because of their bullshit come come from behind draw with Manchester United derailed United's momentum and United could have maybe challenged City this year, but it, it's City running away. So the winner of the league is decided. Top four is still up for grabs. Relegation is interesting too. We got a lot to play for in the last eight matches. So, all right. So that's going to do it for us. If you haven't already, go ahead and find us on Twitter at Two Touch Pod, where we often post when the episodes have gone live, and we also post a lot of bullshit that is, I think, entertaining, at least a little bit. And we love to argue with people and also agree with people. So, go ahead, hit us up on Twitter. It's a fun time. So for Bones, I'm Trevor. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.